welcome to the Soar Community Network podcast with your host, Malie Ponpadit. Here, inside our community, we help each other see, own, articulate and release our unique message and mission into the world. Uncover your gifts and talents, release your passions, own your purpose and let's soar together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the SOAR Community Network Podcast. I'm your host, Mali Ponpadith, and I'm here today with Marissa Levin, who is the founder and CEO of Successful Culture. She is a 20-year entrepreneur. She's a speaker and she's globally recognized as a business leader. Her legacy, a lifetime legacy, is the mission to educate, equip, and empower 100 million entrepreneurs and leaders worldwide. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And Marissa is also a leadership mindset columnist for Inc. Magazine. Thank you so much for being with us today, Marissa. Oh, thank you, Molly. It's such an honor to be here with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. I want to dive right into this. You put it out there. Educate, equip, and empower 100 million entrepreneurs and leaders worldwide. Where the heck did you reach for that, and how are you doing on that? So, you know, I really view um, everything that we do as part of a global legacy mission. I believe that everything that we do should be intentional every day. How are we going to be making an impact? How is the world going to be different long after we're gone? And the way I look at it, so um, I'm 49 years old, right? I'm coming up on my 50th birthday, which means that I would say I probably have another good 40 maybe 50 years to go. I'm planning on living to about 100. So I've got at least another 40 years um, that are good years ahead of me. (laughs) And, um, you know, with the world today being so globally connected and so many ways to reach people, I can reach people through my speaking, through my writing, through podcasts, through webinars, through education, through travel, through my the work that I do. There are so many ways that I'm able to touch so many people. I know that 100 million sounds like a lot of people, and it is, but Mali, it's only one-fourth of the number of entrepreneurs that are actually in the world. There are 400 million entrepreneurs worldwide. And so I'm looking at it that I think that you know 100 million, that's a conservative number, that's 25%, and I'm looking at another 40 years worth of work. So I think that it's a very realistic and doable goal to educate, equip, and empower 100 million leaders and entrepreneurs to reach their greatest personal and professional potential. That's what, you know, that's my purpose, my professional purpose on this earth is. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's it's big, but at the same time, it's not big, right? It's doable exactly. with totally technology, doable. with the world today, and with your amazing connections. You've worked so hard through the years to really become this thought leader that you are. Uh, so congratulations on that, first and foremost. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I also would love for you to share um, with our audience, what is Successful Culture? What What is the company about? And what's the heart and soul of, of the mission? So successful culture, what we focus on are the three main pillars of businesses that that business owners and leadership teams must master in order to move from one level of growth to the next. And those three pillars are leadership development, strategy formulation and execution, and organizational culture assessment and improvement. 
And it's through these three things that I do all of my work with my clients. So every engagement that I do with my CEO client, as well as their leadership teams, they all focus on these three integrated pillars. You cannot focus on one without the other. And it, it includes everything, you know, people say, well, Marissa, are you a coach? Coaching is one of my tools in my toolbox that I use for the leadership development. I do mission, vision, values work. That's part of one of my tools in my toolbox under strategy, formulation, and execution. Mm -hmm. But my focus is always on mastering the three pillars, which again are leadership uh, development, strategy, formulation, and execution, and organizational culture, assessment, and improvement. And then the other thing that I do is I formulate CEO roundtable groups and advisory groups. I'm a professional facilitator and I am a regional chair for a women's president's organization. And I facilitate uh, uh, groups of women business owners that come together once a month. So um, that's the work that I do. And then the other thing that I do is I help organizations build advisory boards using my scale model, which I um, is part of my, my book, Built to Scale. So advisory boards, uh, uh, CEO roundtables and facilitation groups, and then the three pillars of growth, leadership development, strategy formulation and execution, and organizational culture. How did, where I should say, where did the passion to help leaders really uh, create such a, such a strong foundation? So you talked about the different pillars. It's not just one. You can't have one without the other. You talked mm -hmm. about, you talked about uh, advisory boards. You talk about just getting people together and really making sure that they are intentional, that they feel empowered, and, and most especially they're equipped for success. Where did your passion to help other leaders, other businesses come from? Well, you know, I think it does stem back from actually, you know, from my art, my roots of origin from my childhood. I grew up in a home um, that was very service-based. So my my mom uh, ran a, a homeless shelter. She was uh, a chief financial officer for one of the largest AIDS and homeless shelters in uh, Baltimore City. And so I kind of grew up watching her um, do that type of service. And then she and my father also were very, very active um, in running the communities in our synagogue. My father, before he retired, worked for 35 years for NASA and was also in a role of service and did tremendous mentoring. And so I think just because I was raised in a house that really um, valued and encouraged uh, public service as well as just service and mentorship of others and investment of others, that's probably where it came from initially. Um, but for me, you know, my first business is 21 years old. And when I started that business so long ago, Molly, there was no um, no community that I could go to specifically for women or young entrepreneurs. I really kind of had to figure things out on my own. And this was long before LinkedIn and the internet and Facebook. And it truly was a very lonely place. So as I started to... Um, you know, grow my business, I wanted to make sure that I was a source of education and inspiration and wisdom for other entrepreneurs coming up. And I just think it's my nature to want to help others that are coming behind me and help others build their greatest businesses. It's just something that's within my nature. Mm. I love your, your tagline, successful culture, taking leaders from triage to transformation. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's, it's so critical because not only do you go inside organizations and, 
and really help the entire team and the entire structure, but just the individual leaders and CEOs themselves. You know, I think there there was something we talked um, about prior to the interview this morning, and it was about the power of your inner voice. Mm-hmm. When you get to that level, working with individual leaders and CEOs and people who are out there every day having to lead and make these big decisions. I know that you and I are so in agreement with this. It all starts from what we believe about ourselves. Can Mm -hmm. you dive into this process of really finding that inner voice and making sure that what you feel about yourself is being projected into the world and that it actually is authentic, you know, not from a place of I really want to look like this or be like this or let me pretend, but really helping them be what they wish to be. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that you asked that. And I do want to um, just address the whole tagline, the triage to transformation. The the um, you know the power behind that, that behind that tagline is that every client or prospective client that comes to me is in pain. Every single client is in pain uh, because they wouldn't reach out for help if everything was working perfectly, right? So Correct. my job when we initially engage is to stop the bleeding. That's the triage. And we can't move forward into a transformational state um, to the next levels of growth until we have cauterized and stopped that bleeding first. So we always do the triage first. And then once we've done that, then we're able to stop and take a breath and move forward. For example, I, you know, I'm working with an amazing leader who was having some communications challenges with her staff and it was causing some issues in the cult, in the culture. We first had to address her communications challenges and I had to do a lot of coaching and, um, and consulting with her on how to communicate positively and how to be proactive as opposed to on the defensive. And once we did that and we fixed her communication style, then we were able to actually put in very strategic communications methods so that she was proactively talking with her employees one-on-one and that's where the transformation happens. So that's just one example, you know, of going from triage to transformation. But getting to the, you know, the issue of our inner voice, these people come to me and, you know, you can look at any CEO and on the surface or any leader on the surface, they look like they have it all together. They look like they're so confident. Molly, I have worked with with leaders from businesses that are under a million dollars all the way up to almost a hundred million dollars. And you know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? We're all human. We all have the same fears. We all have the same concerns. You know, is this going to be the last day that I'm in business? Are people going to find out that I'm a fraud? I really don't know what I'm doing. I feel very alone. I'm in over my head. We all have the tendency to be our own worst critic. And yet we're out there and we want to project to the world all the value that we're able to provide to them. So it's very, very important to know that the most important messages that we will ever create, receive, and communicate are those that originate within ourselves. And so we have to ask ourselves, what do you want the world to believe about you? And those beliefs begin with how we feel about ourselves. We must always believe with 100% certainty that we are capable of all we promise. And, you know, what messages are we telling ourselves every day about our abilities, our talents, and our gifts? Because our external messaging is going to be meaningless 
if it's not aligned with our self-beliefs. It's a false promise if you do not believe in your own greatness. How do you do that? What are some ways in which you personally have been able to do that? Because, I mean, we're friends, so we've had moments, and I know you know, that I have moments of weakness and just feeling, gosh, Mm -hmm. does anybody ever even get what I'm doing? And you try and project, you wish the world to see you a certain way, or you you want others to believe in what your cause is, and then we forget to really reset and say, okay, what are you what are you feeling? What do you yeah. want this to be about? It's not what you want the world to be about. It's what what do I wish for the world and how am I being in the world? You know, what tools do you use? Because I, I for for instance, I use tapping, I use meditation. Sometimes the self talk and the inner critic is so loud right. that I need to stop everything and go for a walk barefoot in my garden, you know? Um, so I'd love to know how you re-engage with yourself when those things happen? So, and um, that's a great question. So I actually have developed a six-step process on how to make sure that your inner voice is aligned with your outer voice. And I'll walk walk you through that. So the first step is to, number one, acknowledge your inner critic, to even generate the self-awareness of, wow, I am really being critical of myself. Here I am thinking all these horrible things about myself, Why am I doing that? So the first thing is just acknowledging it, right? We can't ever make any change unless there is an awareness and an acknowledgement of what is happening. So that's the first thing, is just to acknowledge it. The second thing is to silence it, that when you hear that it's happening in your voice, you wanna interrupt that undesirable behavior and interrupt that that undesirable pattern. And that really is kind of like a neuro-linguistic programming method. But when we become aware of an undesirable behavior, thought, or pattern, what we must do is we have to just stop it. We have to shut it down. And how do we do that? Actually, it's through a physical movement. It isn't just saying, oh, I'm going to be quiet. But one of the things that actually is proven to reprogram our thought process and our patterns of behavior is physical movement. So when we realize that we are listening and, and, you know, and basically empowering our inner critic, get up and move around. Actually do something that's physical that stops that pattern right in its tracks. So silence your inner critic. The third thing is to observe through silence. So we've acknowledged it, we've silenced it. Now we're in a quiet space. We're in a neutral space. And the inner noise that we have in our head, all of that negative messaging and negative conditioning that we're doing to ourselves, it filters what we see on the outside. So we are comparing ourselves to to the person that we think we are when we are under the spell really of this inner critic. Like we look at other people and we think, wow, they really have their act together more than I do, or they're more successful, or they're more capable and more competent. And those types of destructive comparisons, Molly, they come because we are we, we have this inner critic in our head. So once we're able to silence the inner critic and we can actually be in a place of neutrality, 
that's the time when we observe the world and we're able just to kind of look at people without labels, without comparisons, without judgments and assessments and evaluations. And we're able to appreciate what others are, not relative to who we are, but just to appreciate them and not be so critical of ourselves the way we think we are showing up. Because a lot of times, you know, we're so critical of ourselves, we're not even aware of the impacts, the positive impacts that we're making on others because we are so fixated on what we're doing wrong. So when we can silence our inner critic and we can observe the world through that silence, that's going to end up paving the way for the fourth step, which is to nurture what I call your inner advocate. So what we want to do is we want to replace the inner critic with the inner advocate. And there are many, many ways to do this, Molly, that we may not even be aware of how much power we have over this. And I'm going to run through some of those. So first of all, we have complete control over the messaging that comes into our lives. And we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast. We are bombarded by so much messaging, whether it's through the social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Google, Snapchat, all of these places have so much content that they are bombarding to, towards us. And the truth is, is the majority of it is negative. Mm -hmm. And it does play to our psychological state of being and our psychological well-being. So we have the power to shut that down. I will tell you that I am rarely on Facebook now, rarely, because it's just too much negativity. It's too much divisiveness and hatred and anger and, and vitriolic type of, you know, garbage. I, I have to focus on moving forward in a positive way. I don't, my energy is just too valuable to allow it to be expended on anything negative. So how are you controlling the messages that are getting into your psyche? At the same time, we can intentionally select the positive messaging. So some of the things that I do, you know, I do a lot of guided meditations. Um, one of my uh, favorite things to do is I listen to uh, Deepak Chopra's guided meditations on my walks, like uh, Chopra.com. He has a page on his website with guided meditations. They're amazing. They run from like nine minutes to 23 minutes in length. I take my dog for a walk. I'm listening to those meditations and they're all about abundance and gratitude and creativity and connection and health and spirituality. And I choose to have that content coming into me to nurture my inner advocate. I also listen to a lot of great podcasts. So when I'm in the car and I have 50 minutes to my time or to myself or even 25 minutes, I am embracing that time as a chance for learning and self-development. I'm not making phone calls. I'm not listening to music. I'm not flipping around with the radio. I am intentionally listening to very positive information. I also um, don't watch TV. I will tell you right now that I, I just, I find that to be very draining. I find a lot of shows on there. Um, they replicate what's happening in real life. I'm not interested in watching shows about, you know, cyber set threats and cybersecurity and murders and abductions and drug culture and all of that stuff. I don't want that in my psyche. So I rarely watch TV. Um, I watch a lot of TED Talks. I read a lot of books. I'm very, very intentional, Molly, about the content and the messaging that is coming into my psyche. And all of this helps us to nurture 
our inner advocate and be aware of our strengths and our gifts and our blessings and the impacts that we are making in this world. Um, and then the other thing that I do is I'm really intentional about who's in my inner circle and how these people are making me feel about myself. And if I have anybody that's, you know, close to me that, you know, tears me down or, you know, forces me to question what my worth is or what my abilities are, they got to go. So I'm very, very conscious about my inner circle and how they support my ability to bring my gifts to the world. Um, so those are some of the ways that we're able to nurture our inner advocate. Powerful. So the, the next step after that, that was step number four. The next step in, um, in aligning our inner messaging to our outer messaging is step number five, which is creating your positive inner messaging. So once we've now consumed very positive messaging. We've taken an intentional look at who's around us. We've done an honest assessment of the impacts that we have made on others. When we think about how have we changed the lives of others? How have we improved the human condition? When we can do that sort of analysis very honestly, then we're able to create our own positive inner messaging. I was um, talking with a woman at a conference this past week where I was the keynote and I sat down with her and I said to her, what do you do? And she said to me, I'm a photographer. And I said to her, no, what do you do? And she said, she looked at me kind of puzzled and she said, I take pictures of families and kids and she was still kind of confused. And I said, no, what do you do? And she couldn't get there. And so I said to her, it sounds to me like you create lifelong memories for, for loved ones. And she finally got it. And we sat there and we worked on what she does. Our trades and our crafts they are simply catalysts that we can use to help others live better lives. So yes, she is a photographer and she does take pictures, but what she does is she creates lifelong lasting memories. That's what she does. And that became her inner messaging when she realized the impact that she makes on other people. And now she's using that in her outer messaging. So that's a perfect example of how we can align our inner messaging with our outer messaging. How are we improving the human condition? That's the core of the messaging that we must be telling ourselves every day. And that becomes the messaging that we share with others. So that's how we create our positive inner messaging. And then the sixth, um, the sixth step, finally, is to share it with the world, to not be shy with our messaging, to be proud of the impact that we are making, to not worry about the doubters or the haters or the, you know, the people who um, are not happy for our success. In the scheme of things, Molly, they're totally irrelevant. We have to be focused on improving the human condition, making life better, you know, from, from you know, now making it better from when we first got here. How are we transforming the people that we are engaging with? And that 
that impact and that messaging starts with our own belief that we are capable of transformation and that we are capable of growth. So those are the uh, primary six steps that I follow for myself um, when I want to align my inner messaging with my outer messaging, acknowledging your inner critic, silencing your inner critic, observing it through silence, then nurturing your inner advocate. So replacing your inner critic with your inner advocate, creating your positive messaging, inner messaging, and then sharing it with the world. Those are the six steps. Powerful, powerful stuff, Marissa. Thank you so much. I, I love uh, hearing you share these, um, these tools because these are things that we have to be mindful of every moment of the day, mm -hmm. when, especially when we're out in the world leading either initiatives, projects, or people. And what I'd love to ask you with the example you gave of, you know, the photographer and mm -hmm. how she, what she's really doing in the world. Now, if I were to ask you in this context, Marissa, what do you do? How would you answer that? Um, so I equip, educate, and empower uh, CEOs and leaders to reach their greatest organizational and, and personal potential. Now, when you do that, what is your greater hope as you do that, I should say? I'll tell you what my greater hope is. I mean, for all of these business owners that I work with, you know what they actually really want, Molly, at the end of the day, besides making an impact? Mm -hmm. What's that? They want financial freedom. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to create organizations that are profitable, that run well, that have minimal stress, minimal chaos. And they do that by developing, developing themselves as leaders, right, the leadership development, by creating um, realistic um, aggressive but realistic strategies and then implementing them and then working on their organizational culture. If they want to build really solid organizations, they have to focus on those three pillars. And then the last piece, um, as I mentioned, is building an extraordinary community around you, whether it's through an advisory board, through a CEO roundtable, through a mastermind group. And so that's the fourth element that I work with is building the, the right communities so that you've got the support outside that also mirrors the support inside of the organization. Right. And of course, I'm going to recommend our listeners to actually go and get the book, Built to Scale, How Top Companies Create Breakthrough Growth Through Exceptional Advisory Boards. But I would love for you to share just a couple of tidbits on how do you choose the right people, Marissa? It's so it's such a critical thing. How do you mm -hmm. choose the right people to surround you? You mentioned on a personal level, you know, the types of quote unquote friends mm -hmm. um, and close circle that you want to have around you. But when you take it to this next level of leadership and mm -hmm. and mastermind groups and advisory boards yep. what is the process like to find that the right group of people so that's a great question I mean when you're dealing with advisory boards in my book you know the model um, scale select compensate associate leverage evaluate evolve and exit it is a very intentional selection process whether it's for personal and per or professional though I will say that you have to have a standard of excellence for the people that you will have around you. So I believe that, that we all have something called an unconscious level of acceptance. And what that means is that we unconsciously decide what we will and will not tolerate from others in terms of behavior, how people will show up in our life. We have to be aware of what our unconscious level of acceptance is. And once we're aware of that, we have to recognize that we alone have the power to set that bar. So we have to first develop our own standards for the people that we're going to have close to us. How are they going to show up in our life? Um, 
from a professional standpoint in terms of selecting the right people around us as leaders and as business owners, CEOs, executives, we want to make sure that we are first looking at what I call the holes and the goals of your organization. A lot of times when people are looking for mastermind groups or, you know, advisory boards, people that are hand selected to get your business from one level to another, they think, well, I need these really great people around me. Well, she seems really great and he seems really great. Okay, I'm going to pick them. But what they haven't done is they haven't aligned them to very specific holes in the organization or goals or the, in the organization or specific skill sets that that person brings. So it's a matter of defining what I call very dedicated swim lanes for the people that are going to be on our advisory boards. Um, and I take my clients through a very detailed process, starting actually with what their mission, their vision, their values are, what those core foundational elements are for the organization and for the, and, you know, for the business. We have to actually create a full board search document and go through that process and be very intentional about who we are trying to select to be around us because they have to fit from an experience perspective, a network perspective, um, a cultural perspective, an availability perspective. Do you, you know, if you're growing a business, do you want an advisor to only be working with you, the CEO, or do you want them going deeper in your company? There is a list of, you know, probably 10 to 15 criteria that you really need to look at when you're putting together an advisory board to make sure you have the right people around you. So, but again, being very, very intentional about the people that are, you know, going to be in your corner to get you to the next level of growth. Mm, that's so great. Well, I want to I want to touch upon the one of the steps, um, which I think is a very important step. Once you determine what that inner messaging and the outer messaging will be, is sharing it with the world. You've gotten really good at sharing it with the world. Did you ever think you'd be writing so much? I mean, you're you're writing all the time now for Inc. Magazine. You've got these books out. Um, you know how are how are you feeling about getting the message out there, and how do you continue to find inspiration to keep sharing and to to provide powerful insights because now you have a strong following and I can imagine that people are like okay what's the next article gonna be about Marissa how do you keep inspired to, to, keep, to keep writing and sharing so that's funny I do get that you know like occasionally if I don't publish my person my leadership blog you know I publish that on Fridays and um, occasionally if I miss a Friday like if I'm out of town or something I do get so many emails, some not even just concerned, like, are you okay? But some of my followers get a little mad, like they're <laughs> like waiting for it, you know? So I always make sure that I respond to when people check in with me to let them know I'm okay and let them know the other ones are coming. Um, as far as my inspiration goes, well, like you, Molly, I mean, for me, writing is literally like breathing, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. just... I'm actually heading um, to a solo writing retreat at the beach this coming weekend. I'm going by myself and I'm literally going to have like 25 hours of nonstop writing time right at the ocean. So for me, I'm just, that's like the greatest gift that I could give to myself. Oh, that but as sounds far as, like heaven. Uh, <laughs> um, but as far as my inspiration goes, um, I actually did two columns in my ink article, in my ink column about where you can find inspiration. I think I last listed like 25 places. Mm -hmm. But for me, 
um, my clients first and foremost. I mean, helping my clients through their struggles and their challenges. I mean, I just published today. Um, I had helped one of my clients over the weekend vet um, a candidate for a chief operating officer position. And as I was going through that drilling that I was doing for this candidate, I came home and I realized, you know what, the process that I just went through for my client will help lots of other people. So I created an article with the seven best questions to ask in an interview when you're looking for your next rock star. So like that was a perfect example. Another example is one of my other clients is selling a portion of her business and it's a very emotional process. So part of my job is to talk her off the ledge and to make sure that she is negotiating well. And so I had come up with a list of questions that she needs to be making sure that are answered and I turned that into an article. So a lot of my client work that I do ends up being inspiration, you know, for a lot of my topics, but I'll tell you, my children are great inspiration, uh, inspirational sources. Um, my mentors and colleagues are great inspirational sources. The information that I get, as I mentioned before, podcasts, uh, different blogs and articles from other magazines and other writers, TED talks, books, those are all, uh, inspirational, um, you know, avenues for me. I mean, I know that in my queue, I'm going to be summarizing two or three different podcasts that I've listened to over the last few weeks that I think will be really, really helpful for my readers. So I just view the world, Molly, as my classroom and I'm a sponge. I mean, I am constantly evaluating and, and analyzing and observing and I take all of that in and I massage it and, um, and, you know, like a piece of clay. And then I, you know, try and create a masterpiece out of what I see and experience. Well, we talked a lot about your work today and the inspirations behind your work and the purpose of your work. I want to talk a little bit now about creating success in your work and in, in this case, successful culture inside an organization. But how do you create and integrate success at home? One thing that I admire and love so much um, about you is how much you invest in your family and especially mm -hmm. your children, your two boys. I feel like I've watched them grow up just from yeah. all the sharings that you've done. So, Thank you. you know, how important is that to every leader, not just women executives, even though that is a that is an interesting nuance. We can talk about that if you want to dive into that. But for every leader out there, you know, feeling successful at work, but not feeling successful at home doesn't allow that soul to feel fulfilled. Right. And so how do you how do you find a way to do that? So let me just say, and I'm glad you asked me about that. Let me just say something about the word success and mm -hmm. successful. OK, I never attach that word to myself ever. Mm -hmm. I will never attach the word failure or success to myself ever. Um, I know that every day I do the best I can. And there are times when I'm going to do great and there are times where I'm going to mess up. So I will never label myself as a success or a failure. I just don't think that it is that black and white. Mm -hmm. um, I will tell you that no matter what, no matter how successful you know I may look in my professional life, for me, the most important thing is that I'm raising two men um, who, as you know, are now 19 and 16, um, that I'm raising two sons who understand the importance 
um, and the non-negotiable way of living of respecting and honoring women, seeing them as equals, knowing that they have a responsibility and an obligation to leave this world in better condition than when they got here, knowing that every single thing they have in their life, they should be grateful for every moment of every day. And I am constantly um, making sure that they're living from a place of compassion, gratitude, and forgiveness. Like that has to be my lasting legacy above all else. Because if I can get that right, then that means they're going to pass that down to how they treat their wives and also how they raise their own children, right? And now that I have teenage boys, you know, my oldest son is almost 20. Um, I'm watching how all of this work that we've done raising them to be these types of people, um, how it's now manifesting in the way they are showing up in their own relationships and how they're treating women and, you know, the expectations they have for themselves in relationships. So that just is something, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have two older brothers who are extraordinary men. They are just the most extraordinary men and they've been amazing role models for my husband and myself, for my sons, for me. Um, you know, they're just, they are exceptional people. And so they live from the heart and they live with, you know, family and faithfulness. And so I'm very lucky that I have them and my father as well as an exceptional man. So. I'm surrounded by men that um, really understand what's important in life. And so raising sons like that has always been my, my, my top priority. Um, I do the best I can. I use a lot of humor. I'll tell you that. Like I, I really definitely rely on humor to kind of get us through some of these difficult teenage situations. But, you know, overall, I live life from a place of gratitude. And I always want to make sure that my kids know that no matter what, they're my number one priority. That's wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit about friendships and community and where do you go to get refueled personally and, and have a sense of community and connection uh, from a very personal, soulful place? Because, you know, the work that you do requires a lot of giving, mm -hmm. a lot of giving of your time, your energy, your resources, your gifts. And how do you refuel in terms of friendships, community, and just having others that you can commune with? What does that look like in your world? Oh, that's such a great question. So um, the first thing that comes to mind is my synagogue. Um, mm -hmm. We've been at the same synagogue. Now, I grew up um, with a, a very strong commitment to synagogue. You know, my parents used to say I grew up with a hundred aunts and uncles because they ran the brotherhood and the sisterhood at our synagogue. And so I just was always around, you know, hundreds of, you know, a hundred other, you know, adults. So I grew up understanding the impact and the importance of a community like that. And so that is something that I wanted to make sure we brought into our own family as we were growing our family. So we've belonged to the same synagogue in Reston, Virginia, Northern Virginia Hebrew congregation since our oldest son um, was two, where he started preschool there. And our kids have been involved there all the way from preschool, all the way to being a teacher's assistant. So we've been at that community for 17 years. And I do have a core group of women now that for the last 17 years, we have been each other's rocks. I mean, just lifelines. Mm -hmm. So that's one area that I go for my, you know, personal and spiritual, um, you know, 
regeneration. But I also, you know, have, I live in another universe of, you know, being a woman business owner. And, you know, that is a very difficult road to travel. And I really need and crave and depend on the emotional support from my women business owner friends. So whether it's through groups like Entrepreneurs Organization or Cadre, um, Women's Presence Organization, um, you know, wherever there are other, you know, Sterling Women, wherever there are, you know, other groups of women business owners, I gravitate towards them and I really seek those out um, because my women friends are my lifelines. They are my lifelines and I could not be who I am today and I could not be where I am today without, without my women friendships. Mm, I love that. Well, Marissa, can you uh, share with us any, any final thoughts and insights for the global leaders who tap into this podcast and are listening for great ideas on how they can be better leaders and better listeners and communicators? Do you have any final, and of course I'll have you back on the show multiple times, <laughs> but, but any, any thoughts to share as we're closing out? Sure. So first and foremost, know that you are not alone. Um, know that business owners that have businesses smaller than your businesses, as well as larger than your businesses, we all go through the same things. We all have the same feelings. We all have that hunger inside of us. And we also have that, that fear and frustration that, you know, are, am I going to reach my greatest potential? Do I have it within me to withstand these challenges? These are regular, normal questions. You are not alone. You are going through this with a whole worldwide community and network of other people that are committed to changing the world. So just know that when you feel alone, you are not alone. Um, that leads me to the second thing. Reach out for help. There are so many places you can go for mentorship or connection um, or inspiration, even through the things that I mentioned, like the podcasts and the TED Talks. There are ways that you can connect with others that will educate you, that will fortify you, that will lift you up, inspire you, guide you, educate you. There are so many sources, so make sure that you're reaching out. And that leads me to my third thing. You alone own your outcome. Step into your power to create the life you want. Everything that you need to be successful already resides within you. It is already inside of you. And you can achieve what you are trying to achieve. You must believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are capable of achieving what you want to achieve. So turn impossible into I'm possible. Turn impossible into I'm possible. Because as Deepak Chopra says, we all must find that place within inside ourselves where we believe that everything is possible. And so just believe that you can do it. Um, and keep, you know, keep connecting the way you are, listening to podcasts like this, staying in touch with people like Molly. Um, surround yourself with those that are just committed to making the world a better place and, um, you know, and who want to squeeze every drop of joy out of life. And if you do that, you're going to be in really great shape. Mm. Love it. Thank you, Marissa. Love, love having having time with you, even if it's through this this venue of podcasts. But I just enjoy everything that you share. You have a wealth of knowledge and so many years of experience, and it's it's really valuable. Thank you. 
Well, it's an honor, and I would encourage everybody to visit SuccessfulCulture.com and sign up for my leadership blog. I do publish on Fridays. It also links to my ink articles, and everything I write, as you know, Molly, is actionable and is geared to taking you to the next levels of growth, both personally and professionally, and I'd love to have all of your listeners um, on my list, and I'd love to be able um, to, to help them. That's great. That was going to, about my last question was going to be, how can they contact and engage you? So successfulculture.com and you can find Marissa everywhere. You just have to Google her name yeah, <laughs> so I'm we can provide LinkedIn. that. Right. LinkedIn on Twitter, Instagram, the Facebook successful culture page. So yeah, I, uh, I, I want to be connected with everybody that feels that I can add value to their life. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate, again, your time. And for our listeners, we really value you so much and appreciate you for always tuning in and being a part of our community. And please remember to visit the SoarCommunityNetwork.com website for our blog posts. So Marissa's interview will be uh, shared as soon as we finish and, and ready to launch that. So again, thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for being a part of our community. And Marissa, one more time, thank you so much for honoring us with your insights. And Molly, I want to just give a shout out to you because you have been one of my greatest inspirers watching you chase your dream and create this community for other people. And um, I want to encourage all of your listeners to make sure that they attend the SOAR Community Network conference that you're having um, coming up because I spoke at it last year. I was there last year and it is a transformational day. So if you like what Molly is doing, you need to be at that conference because she goes above and beyond to create value for her people. Look at you. I love you. I didn't even, I didn't even ask for that, but I appreciate it, Marissa. And we do. We, we look forward to connecting with everyone wherever you are in the world. Um, we are in this together. Let's soar together. Appreciate your time. And we will be talking to you again very soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of SOAR Podcast. Join us by visiting soarcommunitynetwork.com.